From a whisper to a roar, our voice has grown in strength and volume. Echoes from our past guide our future as we explore the woman's voice. The lady that I have in front of me today, you know, I actually have had, and I haven't told her this, I've had a few people that reached out to me and said, you have to interview Miss Tracy Mathers. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Now that's a bit of excitement to hear that. No, you didn't tell me that. I got got messages going, your podcast, you have to interview Tracy Mathers. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't that nice? I said, really nice. Yes, she is on my list. I am headhunting her. So here you are. Thank you so much for taking the time. Lisa, I'm so excited and um, I've always admired you so much and what you do. So for me to be sitting here today chatting about the voice um, is pretty exciting. So thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I love your voice. I, I love the the depths and the contrasts and it's just, it's it's a soulful voice for me. When I hear Tracy's voice, I'm like, oh, I feel warm and fuzzy and safe. So um, we'll hear some of those beautiful tones and inflections coming through today. Wonderful. Before we get too far into the the questions, I just want you to share how your voice has led you here today. It's, you know, this is, this is such an interesting question because I've never, actually so many of your questions are so interesting because I have never stopped to actually ever think about my voice. And, you know, I, I guess what's led me to be here today is bravery in using my voice because I was always a really shy and people always, when I tell people I'm actually an introvert who has learnt to be an extrovert when I need to be, they're like, no way, you are, we would never call you an, you know, an introvert. But I really have had to, um, you know, learn to use my voice to just rise and to to have the success that I've had, you know, today, because I was such a shy little thing. I was always happy. You know, I was always one of those people that as soon as I sat down and someone asked me a question, I'd answer it. And as fast as I could, I'd I'd start shooting them questions so that I I could stop talking and I could just do the the listening. So I've really um, grown so much to realise just how important, you know, my voice is and what I've had to do to step up to actually understand that and to, you know, start to, to use it more for what I needed or how I needed to get to where I needed to get to. Do you feel your experiences in your journey and your journey's just been an amazing uh, lifelong process, I suppose, do you feel that your voice has shaped the tone of your voice? Sorry, have, do you feel that your experiences have shaped the tone of your voice? Oh, most definitely. Absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you an example of what I mean here. So I learned very early. So when I first started my business, I opened my first store at 24 years of age. So I had been managing people and that sort of thing before then. So I I really did, um, my first managerial role was at 18. um, And then I actually opened my first retail store at 24. And a lot of the staff that I had working with me were older people. And so what I realised was that they were very fast. As much as I loved them and they loved me, 
they wanted to mother me and tell me how, how I should be doing things. So I had to learn very quickly about tone. And, you know, I didn't really even know what that was, Lisa, until, you know, I, I was talking to you and, you know, you were talking about some of the things that we were going to be discussing. I didn't really even know what tone was. But when I would employ somebody, I would actually talk about um, my voice. I didn't make it probably as clear as that. But I would say to them, you know, I have two two characters within the in the business. I have the Tracy's in business mode and Tracy's in fun mode. And I had to learn to modulate my voice to work with that so that my staff understood because I didn't ever want anyone to think I was crabby or angry or anything like that. So I would very much explain to them, you know, how I worked and how I liked it to work. And it just worked beautifully because when I would walk into a shop and I was stressed and I had a lot on my plate, I would go for my I'm in business mode voice and they would understand that and they would jump in and they would help me as much as they could. They would do everything I needed um, help with so I could get out that door quickly. And then when I was in my fun voice, they knew that they could talk about, you know, stuff that they'd been doing and, you know, ask me some questions that, you know, they were struggling with and all of that sort of stuff. And it really was a fantastic thing to be able to use my voice to help my staff to understand um, how I worked best and how to work best with me for great results. And I would imagine that's a, it's a great leadership model. Did you find that then that reflected in them as well? You could feel that coming from them in, in what state they were in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, most definitely. We just got into this flow, this amazing flow. Mm. And um, they used to joke, they'd go, talk to us so we know where we're at today. <laughs> and so I'd be like, oh, my God, is it that bad? Is it that clear? <laughs> they'd go, we need to know where we're at. Right, so they'd be feeling into you going, okay, what, what state is she in? Where, what, how are we going to respond today? Absolutely. And, you know, Lisa, I'm really big into, you know, communications king for me. So, you know, I would really talk to people when I was employing them and, and, you know, get them in the flow of actually understanding that because that was how I got the most out of, you know, working together and to, to get the results that we all wanted. And, you know, as I said, it just worked so well for me. Did you find, I love that you've defined the voices so clearly with a line down the middle, there's the, there's the business and then there's the fun voice. Did you find that one or other got a better response? No, not at all. No, because sometimes it would, you know, sometimes you could even combine, you know, you could combine the two. Mm. But what I found was I didn't have to then, um you know, when, when, when we're a small business owner, we're time poor, do you know? We want, you know, I'm so into having staff understand how valued they are and important they are and that sort of thing, but we can't always spend time stroking. Mm. So, you know, that's why my voice and my tone became really important so that they actually, we didn't spend that time having to me get them into that 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 zone do you know what I mean they actually did just automatically understand it so it was a real time saver it was a um they didn't get upset you know if if I uh was a, a little bit more maybe um you know barky than I would normally like to be um they understood and they were all cool with it mm -hmm. so 
Did you ever come in? I know that when I'm in a state that's just usually when I'm fatigued, could be hormones, you know, that time of the month, I'll find that I can get that, you know, that snippy and anything that's going to come out of my mouth is going to be complete disaster today. And I will actually warn the people around me and go, just don't listen. Okay. She's not coping today. Was there ever a time that you, you would articulate that to them? Lisa, I, I, I did it all the time in my stores and I do it now with my husband and my yes. friends. Particularly your husband, don't come near me. (laughs) Absolutely. I used to walk in and I'd say to them, hey, listen, I am stressed to beyond up here and it's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing. You have done nothing wrong. You are fabulous and I love you. But I am stressed and we all know when Tracy is stressed that it's not a happy place. So I'm just warning you because if I do bark or I am, you know, um, out of sorts, you will understand that it has nothing to do with you. Again, you know, it's just it's communication, isn't it? You know, mm. sometimes my husband, Rick, will come home and he'll say, how was your day? And I go, you know what? It was actually really shitty and I don't know why. And I'm in a really foul mood, but I don't know why. Yeah. And I know I'll get out of it, but I just want you to know I love you and it's got nothing to do with you if I'm a bitch tonight. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that word, Lisa? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, if I'm a bit happy tonight, it's just got nothing to do with you. And then he would say to me, can I help you with anything? And I'd go, you know what, this one I need to, to do this on my own. And then he just goes away and does his thing and leaves me alone. But mm. see, if we don't do that, then I will bite, he will bite, and before we know it, we're in that, you know, horrible thing where we're not talking and nobody really understands what went wrong and what happened. I think that's really powerful because as women we can get stuck in that when we're not coping, Mm -hmm. it comes out and we bite and, as you said, bark. And if you're a strong woman with a strong physical voice that that can project, it can cut through anything, you know, it can bring a man to his knees in a millisecond. So um, I think that ability to know the power of your voice and that communication within the communication, I suppose, where you go, the the feeling that's going on inside of me is going to be projected and it's going to be ugly. Absolutely. Yeah, you've got to take ownership of that. Do you, do you feel that you're 100% in tune and connected to your voice or do you think that there's still work to go? It's still a work in progress. Look, I, I, I have no issues with my voice. I feel really confident. If you had asked me that question 20 years ago, I would have said, oh, you know, so much work to do. Mm. I don't know that I've got a lot of work to do, but I have a lot still to learn. And I think there's a difference, you know, like when I come across people every single day, they teach me something really important, even connected to how I can use my voice or how I should be talking to people differently. Um, I'm a big one for listening. Um, And so, you know, I think there's so many lessons still. I mean, you know, I still learn every day about how I can connect better to my voice for communication and that sort of thing. But that's through learning, through just having, you know, great conversations with my own clients or with other people out there, you know, with people like yourself, you know, great leaders out there. Um, you know, I'm learning every every day, but I, I love my voice. I'm, I'm really content and happy with where I am now today. And that's beautiful because I certainly wasn't, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. You it's know, a nice space to be in. At 54 years of age, it's great to say, you know, it, it, it's okay. It's yeah, good. it's good. 
have you ever been afraid to speak your truth? Um, yeah, absolutely. Terrified, most definitely. And I, I, I'd actually love to share a story with you, if that's okay. Of absolutely. How how this sort of um, broke, I guess. So I was 25 years of age. I'd had my, I'd had, I had two stores by that stage. I was at Pacific Fair and I was in the Tattersalls Arcade in Brisbane City and I had a bank manager. Um, I had a very big loan and I had been asked uh, to come and, you know, project my next sort of five-year plan. My dad had said to me, would you like me to come with you? You've never done this sort of thing before. And I said, no, look, I think, you know, you've done the first couple of things with me. I think I need to stand on my own two feet and go and do it. So I put a lot of time and effort into, you know, my five-year plan. And I thought I'd done a really, you know, cracker of a job. I knew what stores I was opening next, where I wanted, what what money I needed, all of that. And I sat down and um, I went through the whole thing and uh, he never said a thing, but he was one of those men that, you know, he had the little glasses and he sat there like looking at me over the glasses, hard to tell whether he was impressed, not impressed, you know, what was actually going on. And, you know, it may not have been great that I had all beautiful pink folders and everything. (laughs) Everything was looking very pretty. Um, But he basically, he, you know, these aren't probably the words that he used, but that's what I heard. Uh, he said to me at the end, I love when a little girl plays shop. And that just absolutely, wow. I lost my voice, Lisa. I had no idea what to say. I had no reply. I mean, I'd love him to say it to me today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I had no voice. I just completely lost my voice. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to stick up for myself. I knew nothing. So, of course, I just left. Um, I went straight to my safe place, which was my parents, my mother and my father. And, you know, much to my dad's credit, he actually listened to the whole thing because, you know, usually dad would not listen to to stuff he didn't like. Um, And I went through the whole thing. I'm sure that there was dramatics and everything with it of how badly I'd been treated. And at the end, he actually said to me, are you finished? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, you know what? If you don't learn to stand up for yourself in business, you are never going to make it. And you are certainly not going to make it in this industry. Because it was a very male-dominated industry that I was, you know, people think that footwear is very female-dominated. It's actually not. It's very male-dominated. And um, I thought, yeah, okay. And I didn't really think much of it. But then... What happened was my dad had obviously gone away and thought about it and my my dad and I had an incredible relationship. He was my, you know, he was my mentor. He was my guide. He, you know, no one loved me more in in the world. And what he did was he actually asked the bank manager to come to his home. He'd had a terrible accident so he couldn't walk at that stage so he got him to come to his home. He didn't tell me and he invited me over to have a, a meeting. And when I walked in and saw that bank manager sitting there, I thought, oh, my goodness, what's, you know, what's going on here? Well, Dad just ripped through this man like I've never seen before. I was bright red. He was bright red. We were both embarrassed. Um, and at the end of it, this bank manager looked at me with such disgust on his face and he looked at me as if to say this is pathetic you have had to get daddy Mm. to come to your rescue this is pathetic Mm. and when I walked out of that meeting that day I thought to myself 
no one will ever have to stick up for me again. No one will ever have to stand up and be my voice. I will be my voice going forward. Mm. And you know what? From that day, that is exactly what happened. I became brilliant at negotiating. I used to negotiate all my own leases and all of that sort of stuff because I learned that if I didn't say what I wanted and have the passion and the power behind it to know that they knew I was serious, then, yeah, I didn't deserve to be in the game. And, you know, my, I, I, I was not angry with my dad because he did it out of love. Was it the right thing to do? Absolutely not. Um, you know, that's really to me in my books, it's two wrongs don't make a right. But, you know, at that stage it was done from pure love but it just taught me a really valuable, you know, he gave me such a powerful lesson that day mm. in how important it is as women to stand up for ourselves. We don't need to hide behind other people to do our work for us. We really have got that within us. Um, and, you know, sometimes our voice can falter. Sometimes we can almost feel like the tears behind our eyes. We can go bright red. Lots of different things and reactions can happen to our body. But the more comfortable that we get with standing up for ourselves, that all goes away. Mm. And it takes practice, doesn't it? It I, does. I, I think it's the same same thing because I'm I'm like you. I'm incredibly shy and I'm an introvert and I'm very, very comfortable in my own company. So I will avoid conflict until mm. the cows come home. Um, and I think that your projection of what you think is the worst case scenario is it's that old adage that it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. No. Uh, so if you walk into that room with a very clear, and I said, think you said the key word was passion yeah. and vision of who you are and what you want to achieve, uh, then you can negotiate through anything. Absolutely. Was there anything specific you said that you, you could then, you took you took charge, you made that decision and your negotiations moving forward were easier. Was there anything that you can remember that you specifically did or learnt? Or... Yeah, absolutely. It was about outcome. So I always knew the outcome that I wanted by the time I left that room mm -hmm. and it was pretty hard to kick me out of that room until I had that outcome. Mm. So it was either yes or no, that's fine, but the outcome that I wanted was what I was fighting for. So mm. I always knew exactly what I wanted at the as the end game, the end result. So then that intention navigated through the conversation until you could reach that outcome. Absolutely. That's when the negotiations start until, I mean, obviously sometimes we have to um, compromise as well. But, you know, when you know what it is, the end game, the end result, because I think a lot of people go into, you know, a negotiation or a, a conversation without really understanding the outcome that they want from it. And that's when the waffle starts to happen because, mm. you know, nobody really knows why you're actually there or, you know, what the outcome is that you want, what you're fighting for or what you, what you need from that other person. When you've got that real clarity around all of that, it just makes a huge difference to how your conversation trail actually happens. It, it's the difference of being able to keep things online or allowing them just to go all over the place. Yeah. You work with people now in, in helping women get that clarity. What's one of the processes that you take them through in getting that vision and understanding who they are? 
Um, well, it's, it's, it's actually finding out what they want. Mm. It's really asking that question, what is it that you want? Because I just find with a lot of the people that I'm working with, the actual problem is they don't actually know what they want. So once we really nail that down, then it's very easy then to create the strategies behind what the steps are that we do to get those results. And that takes into account, obviously, accountability and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, a lot of the people I work with every day are so incredible, but one of the things that they lack is courage. You know, they lack the courage to stand up and show the world who they are. You know, it's the old being afraid of the tall poppy syndrome that's alive and well in everybody's yes. world, you know. And I think that, um, you know, my my job is to build their confidence and connect them to their strengths, make them really understand who they are uh, and what they're capable of. And then once they know what it is that they want, then it's just the strategy of how we're going to go about getting that. What do we got to get you doing? And what have we got to change or what have we got to bring in to really um, connect you back to yourself and your inner power and, and let's go forth and do that. Do you find a resistance in your, uh, and you work with females predominantly, don't you? Most, yes, I, I do. Yeah, I like do you, that. Do you find a resistance in them initially to actually even articulate what it is that they want? Um. I mean, occasionally, yes, but most of them do actually know what they want, but they have never actually voiced it. Mm. So they've never actually taken the time to sit down and write it out and analyse and look at what that actually means, Mm. you know. Um, So, yes, I do occasionally come up with, you know, obviously we've got to delve deeper into what they want, but really people, by the time they come to me, they know what they want, they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. 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 So they got that clarity. Absolutely. If Oprah's voice was a colour, what colour would it be? I can't get past purple and I don't know whether that's because of the movie that I love, the the colour purple, but Oprah's probably one of my most, and I know it's cliche because everyone loves Oprah, but, you know, I've seen her speak a few times, you know, talk about a powerful voice and talk yeah. about understanding how to use your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the queen of it. Like, she is total queen. Uh, the way that she, you know, stops and she brings you in and you're like, come on, give us more. Mm. You, know, you almost move on to the edge of your seat. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I just, you know, purple for me is a powerful colour. I, I love um, the colour purple. And I just think Oprah, you know, I don't see her as bright and breezy. I see her as depth and, yeah. you know, real, um, you know, I mean, she's one of the greatest teachers out there on you know with what when you know her true story of what she's been through and what she's had to do to get to where she is mm. um you know I, yeah purple is the color for her for me and and that's usually and I and again I don't I don't know if it's because of the color purple the movie but most people do, oh, do they? Feel, feel that it, it it is a color purple and and you're bang on with that she is absolutely 100% the queen I actually use her as an example of what's possible with the voice because, you know, people look at speakers like Oprah and go, well, she's just naturally good at it. And I, and I argue and say, no, 
that's very measured and very learned and very practiced. Um, she can she can have and there's a there's a fantastic example. She's accepting an awards a couple of years ago, about three years ago, and she takes the audience through a journey of crying, standing, laughing, up and down, up and down, like standing ovation, sitting down. Just the journey she takes them on is phenomenal. And when you dissect that and understand exactly what she's doing with the voice at each moment, that's when the clarity becomes, this is possible. Absolutely. You just have to believe it. So if Oprah's voice is purple, Mm -hmm. what colour do you think your voice is? (laughs) You know what? I reckon mine's multicoloured. Am I allowed to be multicoloured? Yes, I love rainbows. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know most of the women that I talk to that have, let's say, found their voice, Mm. um, do come up with that, that it is multicolored because we do have to have that flexibility, like we were talking about before. I've got my business voice and I've got my fun voice. And, you know, look, I, you know, I, I think of yellow as, you know, bright and breezy. I think as pink as really dominating sort of, you know, dominating voice colour. And, you know, there's occasional blacks where we have to have those really hard conversations that we don't like to have, but we have to have them to be able to move forward either in relationships or, you know, even with, you know, clients that we're working with and all that sort of thing. So, you know, I think during a day if you were to actually look at how many different um colors that your voice goes through it, it mm. would definitely be multi multi-color absolutely i talk about the imposter syndrome i think that the imposter syndrome is a a collective problem in the community generally today mm-hmm. and you know where we b- believe that we're not good enough and we have that voice in our head have you suffered from the imposter syndrome at any stage in your career yeah, I had big time. And to be really honest with you, I still suffer with it, Lisa. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think we're all human and we all go through times where we're connected to ourselves so strongly and powerfully and we feel invincible. And then I don't know what happens, um, but something happens. And all of a sudden, all that self-doubt and, you know, comparison syndrome and all of that sort of thing comes flying back. You know, it really does come in peaks and peaks and troughs for me. Um, Do you have a theory as to why it's so prevalent today? Um, yeah, because there's so many knockers out there. My God, mm. I hear stuff about myself that if I if I wasn't, um, you know, strong of character, like if I, if I heard today, if I heard thirty years ago what I hear today it would be enough to crush me and make me just go into a hole. Really? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't ever get feedback. I don't, I don't listen. I, I suppose I just don't ask the question or something, but I don't, I don't know. What I don't ask the question it. either. I would never ask the question. It's always people that um, come to me and say, did you know such and such has said? And I'm like, okay, right. Um, but I, yeah. I can now, I can now put that to, to bed because I can actually unpack it and go, who are they? What have they done? Mm. What can they do for me? How well do they actually know me? Mm-hmm. And usually the answer is they don't. So I don't even give it a breath because I just think, well, you know what, if you don't even know me, how are you coming up with those, you know, suggestions? So so getting back to your question, you know, tall poppy is 
so alive and well out there. You know, people mm. are so critical of people out there having a go. You mm. know, I just love every person that gets up every day with an idea and they just go for it. Do you know what? If it doesn't work, who cares? They're a step closer from learning about why and how and what they've got to do differently going forward. But do you know what? Praise to you for actually going out there and having a bloody go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we start to listen to this outside world, you know, so many times, I mean, you, you would have come across it yourself. You know, you've got this great idea and you think I'm going to run it past a few people and you run it past and you're so excited because you think this is it. I am yeah. going on to something. <laughs> and, you know, you, you finish telling a bit like a bit like my bank manager story, you know, you, mm. and you tell them the story and you're, you're just so excited and they go, hmm. Do you Why really, would you want to do that? Do you really need to do that? Yeah. Do you really want to put more pressure on yourself? Yeah. Do you really think at your age you should be going for something like that? And you think, hmm. But see, the difference is I can now walk away and go, you don't get me. Yeah. And, I, and, and don't get me wrong, if it's someone I truly admire and I, I, I would listen because they were oh, yes. telling me and we would unpack it, yes. but if it's someone I've just sort of said it to because I thought, oh, that, they, they're going to be excited for me and they're not, I'm quite okay just to walk away and go, you don't actually get my journey. You, you're not getting where I'm at at what stage of my life. So then I'll go and find, you know, somebody else. But it's taken me 54 years to get to that. <laughs> what I hate is that when younger people and I hear that happening to them, we can't crush people's dreams. Mm. You know, we have to encourage, we have to make them think differently, make them think about, you know, tell us, explain to us, you know, why do you think this is going to work so well? So ask those leading questions yeah. that make them dig deeper and things like that. But, you know, I hate the word no. I hate that word no, because you know, what, what does no even mean? You know, it's, it's got, it's dead. It's got no possibility. It's got nothing. So, you know, even if a client comes to me with an idea or something like that, and I think, oh my God, but we just sit and we unpack and we, you know, we twist and we turn and we delve and, uh, you know, I, I stay excited for them and I, I stay, but then in the end, we either do stay with their idea or we just, change it a little bit so that it's it's more you know commercial or or viable for them for outcomes mm. that they're looking for mm. but you know it's never no it's never no oh that's a shit idea why would you come up with mm. that um yeah. but yeah the tall poppies they bloody love pulling you down and do you think it's more prevalent in australia i don't know i i really no i don't think it is well, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, uh, Americans are so excitable, aren't they? I mean, oh, yeah. I've never worked. You go for it, girl. Yeah, exactly. Girl. <laughs> exactly. And, I, you know, I haven't done any work in America or anything like that. I'd, I'd love to going down the track. But, you know, my um, amazing people that I look up to, you know, mentors that I've used in that that have worked in America, they all tell me that, you know, you go there and you just you feel a million dollars because everyone just puts you not on a pedestal, but they they value, you know, what you you know and, and they love you sharing anything because they're so, they're like sponges. They want to learn and they want to, you know, get better and improve and all that sort of thing. So they're very open to all ideas and suggestions, but I haven't had firsthand experience at that. Yeah, I, I've, I must say that I've had the same sort of experience out of Australia. Yeah. I've had many um, a time. I think... Mine is a little bit different being a singer 
you yeah. know, you you say you're a singer and you're a little bit of a an enigma. Yeah. You're a little bit fanciful. And yeah. so, but uh, I, I, yeah, I do find that generally here in Australia, um, I've come up against the tall poppy syndrome and I tend not to tell people things. Yeah. Which goes against you because then people think that you're standoffish. And it's well, like. That's exactly right. And that, and that's a big problem with being an introvert because, you mm. know, so often people think you're snobby in that, whereas you're actually shy. Yeah. You know, you're shy to start the conversation. You're shy to to put yourself out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard one, that. It is. Many people find it difficult, particularly women find it difficult to make themselves heard. Do you have any tips on how they can make themselves heard in the conversations that matter? Do you know, I, I think one of the biggest ones is, um, so I know I'm, I'm talking about myself here just for a minute and then I'll bring it back to, hmm. I get excitable. Yes. So when I'm sitting in a room and I have an idea, I get excitable. Yes. Yeah. So, so I let's go. try and overtake or overspeak or, and which pisses people off. And I get that. I, I totally get that. It's, it's disrespectful and it's not great, but I'm not doing it because I want to be disrespectful. I just get excited because I've got this, what I think is a killer idea. So I think the big thing that we have to do is, you know, um, wait until there's a moment and then we have to ask, would you mind, please, if I put an idea forward? Because if we ask, if we can voice our opinion, I think it will be heard a lot more than if we just jump in and try and, you know, push into the, the conversation. Um, I think that's when people sort of start to shut us down. But if we actually ask permission and they say yes, they don't really have an option but to sit and listen. And, you know, I've been in that situation where I've done that and people start over-talking me, so I just stop and I listen and then I say to them, are you finished? Would you mind if I finish because I actually wasn't finished? Yes. And yeah. then I keep going. So I never walk away from it. But in saying that, Lisa, I really want to encourage people to only push that if it's important. Like mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. you're talking just for the sake of talking, mm. I say, why would you bother? Yeah. If it's in a situation where it's really important to you to be heard, do everything in your power to make sure that you are heard. Now, if you are still disrespected in that meeting or that whatever it is that you're trying to be heard at, find the courage to step out after and go to that person and say, do you know what? I really had a problem with that meeting today. I really feel like I've got something valuable to offer and no one would listen to me. What do I have to do in this organisation to be listened to? Have the courage to stand up for yourself. No one's going to hate you for that. That is not a horrible conversation. That is just a truthful, heartfelt conversation of I really feel that I'm not being valued here and I have a lot to offer and how do I get heard? How do I get my 10 minutes to be heard? Mm-hmm. That's it's such a valuable, solid tip. Thank you so much for that. I know people are going to take away uh, that. The next question on from that is, do you feel that women are leading into a conversation and they're apologising before they even get to the end point? Hear it all the time. Mm hear it absolutely all the time. And you know the one thing I hear, 
And I, I really, I, I'm guilty of this as well. And I really um, listen to my language around this. This might be a stupid thing to say, and yes. I'm really sorry if it is. Oh yes, yeah, a hundred percent. You know what? You know, I always say there is no real stupid question because if you're asking, it's because you're unsure of something and you're wanting to learn. So you know what? If other people see it as stupid, that's their problem. Mm. But you don't see it as stupid because you want to ask it. But if you lead in with an excuse for them to look at it as stupid, you are giving them already the answer. Even if they don't think it's stupid, they will because you've already put those words. You said the intention. It's it's lamb to the it's lamb to the slaughter. Okay, you you're in a a high tensile situation already. You don't lead into it apologizing unless. Of course, legitimately, there isn't a reason to say, I'm sorry, but you don't apologize before you even ask the question because then they just, they stop, they stop listening. Absolutely. And, you know, this is all about finding your voice. This is all about, you know, finding your powerful voice because, you know, we all have every right to to be heard, like you just said in your last your last question. But also, we have value that we bring. Every single person, person on the has, has something that they have learned that is amazing that the world needs to know about. Mm. Every single person. Mm. There's not a person out there, whether it be good or bad stuff. It doesn't matter. It's something mm. important that we all can learn from and grow from. So, Mm. you know, don't think that you're any less than anybody else. You know, we all come into the world, you know, bald and screaming and we all leave in a box. What makes us different in between is is how we respect ourselves. Mm. You know, it's how we allow the world to see us. And if we allow the world to see us as apologising for who we are, they're not going to respect us. And the other thing is if you've got a seat at that table, you've got a seat at that table for a reason. Absolutely. Value that. Stay focused on that. You haven't been invited there to apologise. Exactly. And when you do apologise, it's it's tainted. It makes people feel like, well, why are we paying you to be here or why would we invest with you if you're apologising? Yep. So So, true. Own that seat. Absolutely. (laughs) Open that seat. Do you, um, I'm just tossing between a couple of questions here. Why do you think it is that that women find it so difficult to find their voice today? Well, I mean, I think it's a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, it started as kids, you know. Mm. You, you should be seen what is it seen and not heard is that mm. the name? has that changed tracy that was our generation has that changed or you know are our well, COVID, i don't know, I, COVID I know babies changing no, i know a lot of i know a lot of my i mean i'm even well I, I am my own generation i suppose but no i still see it no i still definitely see it really that, you know, the child sort of speaks up to to say something and now go, excuse me you know mummy's talking Mm. yeah that's okay but like we Mm. could say it like darling I can't wait to hear your thoughts but let mommy finish first and then we'll let you put your two cents worth in do you know what I mean Mm. so I think we've got to stop doing that but I think you know it's just encouraging like it's just you you know we've got to encourage women to Mm. to 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 speak and to you know if we if we hear those people apologizing I really believe that it's it's up to us to 
just say, hey, listen, darling, you never have to apologise to me. Don't ever start your conversation apologising. I'm so interested to hear what you what you have to say. So I think, you know, in business today, we've really got to encourage, you know, what's your thoughts? What do you think about that? You know, rather than sitting there as the head honcho, just telling our thoughts and all the rest of it, you know, so many of my ideas in my business, they weren't my ideas. They were my staffs. Oh, yeah. You know, they were yeah. they were the catalyst for some of our massive growth that we had and they were cracker ideas mm-hmm. and everybody always knew who it came from, that it wasn't but my I, idea. You know? I think that great leadership is when you evoke brilliance out of the people that surround you anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And having those moments of genius together, that collaboration, I, th- I truly believe that that's what um, great leadership is about. Do you do anything to keep your voice or your body in peak condition so that you can function at, at elite performance every day? Um, certainly is is that I talk too much. Um, <laughs> is that a good voice? I, is that is that setting me up well for my voice? Absolutely. Even though we're introverts, I love talking, and we're shy. Yes, we are people. That's very very I true. I love talking. Um, we do like to talk. <laughs> I don't do anything with my voice. I wouldn't even know that that's a thing to be able to do that, uh, apart from talking, as I said. Um, to keep myself in peak condition, I have been a very unfit girl. I have had um, many years of being excessively obese and overweight and very uncomfortable. I was very focused in my business, uh, not on my business. Uh, because that's where I was comfortable. As long as I was doing that, I didn't have to. I was asked to speak on many occasions when I owned my business. I would say no to absolutely everybody because uh, I was uncomfortable with who I was. I didn't want to hear my voice. I didn't, you know, think I really had that greater story to to tell. Um, so now I'm down 38 kilos. I've still got about 15 to 20 to go. Um, I feel like a new person. I feel so much more powerful and in control. I no longer care as much what people think about me. Don't get me wrong. I still love to be loved, but it's not, uh, it doesn't break my soul like it used to. Um, I can walk into a room and not think, oh, my God, is everyone staring at me because I'm, you know, massive or anything like that. So, you know, health has become a priority in some ways, not as much as it should, but it's become a lot more important. And I now understand because, uh, you know, now I've got diabetes and all of those terrible things that I've brought on myself by just working and not looking after myself, not putting myself first. I now understand how important that actually is. You know, we all think that we're invincible when we're young, but what we're doing to our bodies uh, really does, you know, we suffer when we're older. Um, And, you know, so so I I suppose I learnt the lesson too late, but it's better late than never. So Good on you. You're looking fabulous. So keep on going. Thank you. I want to know, do you have a go-to song that, you turn on when you need to get pumped yeah do you know what I love that Helen Reddy I am woman I just mm-hmm. love that <laughs> I just and the other one is that is it Will Farrell or something are they happy that I feel makes, happy I actually hear that song it does it so, actually makes you want to get up yeah my husband and I my husband's really into music so he's a real music buff so we listen to music a lot 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, in saying that, you're so right because you can get in the car and feel a bit sort of like, and then a great song comes on and before you know it, you're singing away at the top of your voice and and you feel fantastic. It's sort of like you must get those endorphins yes. happening. Yeah. Yes. It's a sensory stimulant, you know. It's like uh, I always relate it to perfume. Yes. You know, you might smell a cologne. Still today a cologne will walk past and I'll go, it'll remind me of someone that I dated 20 years ago. And I think that music does the same thing. But so does voice. Voice, you'll hear a voice and go, oh, that that sounds like someone who I haven't seen for 30 years or someone who passed on, you know. So I was... I was actually, so just while you say that, I was at a function yesterday and I walked up behind someone and I said, oh, my God, hello, darling, how are you? And she said, I'd know that voice anywhere. <laughs> so you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Do you, what's, your, um, what's your Spotify list look like? My Spotify, I don't, I'm not that up to date with Spotify. Oh, aren't you? No, my husband's got, he's downloaded about 6,000 songs onto my iPad uh, and my phone. Right. I just, so it's all in, um, you know, I can choose it by. um, Awesome. uh, Yeah. Awesome. So when you walk into a room now or you walk onto a stage, Mm -hmm. how do you want the people to feel when you leave? Um, I want them to feel happy. I want them to feel motivated. Mm-hmm. I want them to have um, something that they're going to walk away and start straight away. So leave them with, you know, uh, um, you know, a great, um, you know, motivation that they're going to to change about themselves or change within their their business. I just want them to really feel great. I, I want them to feel uplifted and that they've really enjoyed and they've, they, they're walking out feeling a lot more confident and happy than when they walked into the room. Awesome. It's yeah. been fantastic to talk to you. Can Thanks, you, Lisa. Can, can you leave us with one more thought and tell us what's next for your voice? What's next for my voice is just to continue empowering amazing women to step into their courage and their power and um, not be afraid to have a go and, you know, not let anything stop them, not let people, you know, put them off their um, choices um, and help them to really reconnect with themselves within so that they can move forward and just, um, you know, succeed in the areas that they're really passionate about. Fantastic. And I'm going to share with everyone how they can get in contact with you and how they can work with you and jump into some of your fabulous programs because I know that you add so much value. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lisa. Thanks for joining me today to strengthen your voice. You want to be heard and you deserve to be heard. We're here to make sure that the woman's voice is heard. I'm Lisa Lachlan Bell and together we are the woman's voice thanks to our official sponsor the voice draw for more information on your voice go to thewomansvoice.com.au